0: Can you remember what your commute was like 10 years ago? Maybe you lived in Dublin and you took the Lewis, which was introduced in 2004, but which wasn't joined up until 13 years later. Or maybe you were a regular bus commuter or you hopped in the car every day. Back in 2009, a new transport policy for Ireland was brought in. It was called Smarter Travel and set out the steps to ensure that people chose more sustainable transport modes, like public transport. Now fast forward to 2019. And have things improved at all? Is public transport in Ireland due a major overhaul? And would such an overhaul even be possible in the space of a decade? Welcome to Ireland 2029, shaping our future. We're partnering with Volkswagen to look at 10 big ideas that could shape Ireland's future for the better. In each episode, we'll talk to someone about a big idea to find out what it can achieve and whether it's practical or a complete non-runner. This week, we're looking at if it would be possible to build a world-class public transport system in Ireland in the next 10 years. Is it a matter of ripping it up and starting again? I'm your host Aoife Barry, and this is Ireland 2029, shaping our future, brought to you by Volkswagen. David O'Connor, head of environment and planning at TU Dublin, believes that Ireland could build a world-class public transport system with many benefits.
1: For Ireland to achieve its climate change targets, to build a decent quality of life and to maintain an acceptable standard of living for everyone, there's no doubt that we need to invest in well-planned public transport networks. We need these for our communities, our cities and our regions. This can be achieved sustainably and far sooner than people imagine, particularly if we invest in very well-planned high-quality bus networks. We have the most sprawled society in Europe, the third worst obesity levels, and the worst traffic congestion. Rather than betting on costly, risky, and long-term mega-projects, we would do far better by investing in better public transport services. We also need to invest in healthy streets and spaces. Look into 2029. The returns are potentially huge if we can do this. Economically, but also a healthier and happier future for everyone.
0: We'll be hearing from David and others later on in the podcast. Joining me now to discuss the idea of building a world-class public transport system in Ireland is Cormac Fitzgerald. He's a reporter with the Journal.ie and the producer of this episode. Hello, Cormac. Hi, hey, Eva. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. Now, I got the Lewis into the studio today. I uh, get it a lot. I can walk as well. I have a pretty easy commute, uh, Touchwood, It's uh, not too difficult to get in via the Lewis here in Dublin City. But how did you get in today?
2: Yeah, so I got a bus in. I got the nine in from uh, Glasnevin Avenue. um, Came in at peak time around 8, half 8, and I got hit by traffic on Delair Street, which is a bit of a regular occurrence uh, when you get the bus. um, We have serious congestion issues Mm -hmm. in the city. A report earlier this year found that Dublin had one of the worst congestion rates, the city centre in Europe. So that's how I get in. <laughs> it was a bit much.
0: So what you're highlighting there is what a lot of people, I think, living in the capital city anyway, definitely, and in some of the bigger cities in Ireland are experiencing, is that there's public transport there. But that once you get into very near the city centre, it, that's when you hit the traffic. And so even though you've got the bus and the Dart and the Lewis and you've got the cycle lanes and you've got pedestrians and you've got cars in Dublin, you can really hit some traffic and you can come across areas like the College Green area where there are new and unusual perhaps arrangements there for travelling. So let's look at public transport then in Dublin, we'll say, first of all. Do we have numbers on how many people actually do take advantage of public transport in the city?
2: Yeah, so the NTA and the council uh, last year released a report and we found that 107,000 people travel into Dublin city centre on public transport every day. Across a mixture of the services said, Lewis, Dublin bus, we have Irish Rail and the Darts. And um, yeah, outside then of the, the city centre or outside of Dublin, the main public transport options would be Irish Rail trains and bus aaron. Um, passenger numbers are increasing across all public transport. So in the three years up to 2018, the NTA said we saw a 16% increase on people taking public transport. So numbers are going up along with population.
0: So we've got more people taking public transport, but we also have more people living in Ireland. So it makes sense that we have the two of those. But anybody that walks down a main street in any uh, city at the moment will see there's also a lot of cars. So do we know if we're very dependent on cars in Ireland? Do we have numbers around that too?
2: Yeah, definitely. The car is still the main mode of transport in Ireland. I think uh, an interesting figure around how much... Cars we have is that since Ireland's first motorway was uh, first built in 1983. We had about 800,000 or so cars then and today we have 2.1 million cars on the road. So
0: 2.1 million cars on yeah. the road. That is a lot of drivers and that would probably lead people to ask, well, why are people not taking public transport then? What is leading people to, you know, get into their car rather than take public transport? Do you have any kind of, I suppose, thoughts on that and that particular or those particular reasons why people are choosing to, to drive rather than get on the Lewis or the bus? Or?
2: Yeah, I wonder Um, when the connections aren't there, I guess, especially outside of Dublin, we've got it. I, a, a huge sprawl. We have poor connections and maybe the price of public transport is quite significant as well it definitely is an issue
0: do we have government policies at the moment that are particularly focusing on this area
2: yeah we have the national development plan um project ireland 2040 which was launched last year and that commits 8.6 billion euro on public transport over the next 10 years uh, across a variety of different projects trying to improve numbers on public transport trying to improve connectability and yeah just to improve our daily commute in general <laughs> i think
0: which i think a lot of people listening to this were very happy to hear about that there is that focus on trying to improve public transport because if you don't have good public transport there's not going to be reasons for people to actually get on that bus get on that train etc definitely so you're talking about government policies there but you also need projects to actually do the work to get the roads built or to get you know the the new forms of transport going or just get things working smoothly do we have projects underway at the moment
2: yeah absolutely and there's a couple of ones in the pipeline and some we've completed we're talking about the Lewis Cross City uh, which was a really big project and had some teething problems when it first started, but definitely improved connectability. And we've seen increased passenger numbers on that in Dublin.
0: And that was to join the two lines up. Now, they weren't, still weren't exactly joined. But essentially, the two, the green and the red line in Dublin were yeah.
2: joined. And um, that was a big, massive project. Um, coming down the line then, we have the MetroLink, which we've been hearing a lot about. Metro Rail Service going from Swords in North Dublin all the way to just past Ranelagh, I think on the south side of Dublin huge projects um due to be completed by 2027 a lot of consultation involved there a lot of stops along the way then we have the bus connects which is um sort of new bus corridors uh, dedicated bus corridors coming in and out of uh Dublin city centre I think when it's done it'll be something like 230 kilometres of bus lanes and then 200 kilometres of cycle lanes along that to just try and have your like you know you can get your bus so I was talking about congestion there to really streamline your bus from, from the suburbs into the city um, again that's going to be completed over the next uh, 10 years or so outside of Dublin then in Cork your hometown mm-hmm. we have a new light rail system 1 billion euros worth of funding will be committed to that uh, so it's like a Lewis style system that will link Ballincollig to Mahan and that'll go through the city centre. There's meant to be improved buses coming as well and more cycling infrastructure. So there are definitely projects coming down the line over the next 10 years as well.
0: When you're looking at public transport in other countries as well, one of the big features tends to be that cycling actually features really heavily, far more heavily than it features here, doesn't it?
2: Yes, definitely. I cycle in a town sometimes as well and there's just a real lack of dedicated cycle lanes in Dublin, which is a massive problem. When you look at places like Copenhagen or Amsterdam, you know, they're completely cycling cities and Dublin did have plans to get a further. I think it was like, 2,400 kilometres of cycle tracks, but they haven't really materialised. And, you know, as any cyclist will tell you, it's uh, it's a bit of an issue.
0: And we'll be talking more about cycling later on in the podcast. But first, let's go back to David O'Connor, who you heard from earlier on. He's head of environment and planning at TU Dublin, and he gave us a really good overview of public transport in Ireland and how it's evolved over the last number of decades. So if you look at the public transport system as it stands in Ireland, how would you describe it right now?
1: Uh, I think we're on a, a trajectory, but it is a struggle. We have a problem in this country, which is we've developed a very unsustainable settlement patterns. You know, we're on record as having the worst sprawl in Europe. Uh, and that's kind of been measured by the European Environmental Agency. That makes it really hard to kind of supply and to actually get people around very easily because if people are very... Distributed very, very far away, it's hard to run public transport services. People become car dependent. Now, that has all sorts of knock-on effects for health, for socialising, but also the economy because it means people are stuck in traffic. Commerce finds it hard to move goods around. So it's quite a it's a big problem.
0: But if you look back ten years ago, in two thousand and nine, you had a government plan for transport in Ireland, and that plan was all about making transport more sustainable, undoing all the damage that perhaps we had done to ourselves and the environment, the built environment, etc. Have we made the progress? that they planned to make 10 years ago, or are we the exact same that we were 10 years ago?
1: Well, we've gone through a, a lot of plans and a lot of iterations. There were, there were. A, I don't want to go into the history, of the an important one in 1994, uh, the Dublin Transportation Initiative, that kind of turned its back in, in, in Dublin terms on the kind of the major road building and said we have to kind of put a break on this and develop public transport platform for change came along. There were a lot of plans and around that time, the government was probably still harping on about major mega projects. If we spend kind of 56 billion, we'll solve the problem in kind of 20, 30 years. Um, Actually, the cities that have succeeded have taken a different approach. there is a strategy on the table, uh, so the National Transport Authority, they're in charge now. They got a a statutory plan through, which is quite important for Dublin, um, in uh, I think around 2013. And that kind of said two things. There's a little bit of some of the old kind of the big mega infrastructure in there, but a lot of it is about kind of saying we now have to actually invest in public transport networks and build up those networks. So that's good, but we have to, to really make those investments.
0: Are there other big projects you would be thinking of when it comes to moving forward in the next 10 years?
1: Well, yes, I think bus connects is very important. Uh, And Lewis Cross it out. Look, I think it was the right thing to do to connect the Lewis lines. It didn't make sense to have these kind of two disconnected things. And bringing the Lewis through the city was very, very difficult. It was quite impressive how they did that. But if you look at the... You know, I think it was, I think it was 370 million euros invested in that short section of track. Uh, and then maybe twice that for 16 corridors uh, and, and, you know, and four orbital corridors around the city as well. So Bus Connects is huge. What we're putting into it per kilometre is a fraction of what we've put into Lewis, and even a, a smaller fraction again of, say, what we're looking at putting into Metrolink, uh, what we're now calling the, you know, Metro North. So there is this kind of thing. And and, and then up and down the country, you know, uh, Eamon Ryan was in the Doyle um, a few months ago on a private members motion, and he said that, you know, he FOI'd, he, he, he went in and he asked the Department of Transport, Tourism, Sport, what are you spending your money on now? He found that they had 52 projects, and every single one of them was roads. Right. Every single one of them, uh, which was extraordinary because that's really literally making the problem worse.
0: Because I was going to ask, are we kind of reliant on particular areas or are we over-focusing on particular areas when it comes to different projects and things like that? It sounds like we perhaps are in Ireland. Can you maybe tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Well, let's contrast what we're doing with cities and countries that have a better record of success in this. And, you know, a lot of people kind of talk about the Copenhagens, the Amstams, the Zurichs, the the Stockholms, these cities that are really kind of working towards a high level of sustainability. Uh, And actually, if you go back, you know, they started with very high levels of traffic congestion as well. And they also started with very high levels of, of motorization policies, which is what we have now. Uh, you know, there were literally motorway building programs through the heart of Amsterdam. Uh, and there were, you know, big sort of community led opposition to that. Uh, they changed their tack and they started actually, you know, you literally restricting car access to the city. Uh, and that allowed them to build up public transport, but it also allowed them to invest in in better streets and public spaces. Uh, you know, the expression now is healthy streets, mm-hmm. you know, and, and basically that's a street that is safe, that's attractive, that uh, tends to get high levels of walkability so people can, people feel safe there. Um, shops tend to do well, public transport tends to do well, uh, and people, you know, there's no traffic congestion, so the economy is doing well.
0: And then you also mentioned other countries that have, you know, changed how they kind of have seen public transport and made major changes. You mentioned Amsterdam as well. And also there is the S-Bahn in Berlin, in Germany, which is um, another really interesting example of taking public transport and ensuring that it helps the community, the people living in the area, not just people in the centre of a city. Can you tell me about the S-Bahn project?
1: Yeah, the S-span is a particularly interesting one. And I mentioned at the start about, you know, um, transport networks for our regions as well. And that's something that is particularly important for most people travelling around Dublin. They are probably travelling outside the M50. uh, And they're, you know, commuting to or from many, many outlying towns that are growing at a phenomenal rate. Uh, Now, we don't really have a solid plan for those towns in transport terms. That's probably the single biggest problem that we face. You know, if towns that were maybe 10, 15 years ago, 5,000 people now, they're 12,000 people. You know, apart from the basic immunities that they're lacking, uh, they need good public transport systems. So getting back to the s bahn system, uh, Schnellbahn, the, the kind of city speed network, that's what it's called. And, and other countries came along. It was it worked so well that other countries came along, and just called theirs the s bahn as well. It was like a model of of basically regional transport. And it meant that uh, Berlin uh, and you know quite a lot of other German cities like Hamburg and and uh, Munich did this as well, and Dusseldorf and all the cities in the, the the industrial part of Germany they said, you know if our growth is going to be out in these satellite towns, we have to connect all these up, uh, connect them to each other, and connect them to the city center. that kind of saved the core city because it didn't sprawl it sort of stayed compact, and it meant that the towns. Uh, outside the city worked as well. So I really think we need a very high quality, rapid transit network for our towns around Dublin.
0: Looking to 10 years time, are you hopeful things will get changed or do you fear, you know, there might be a, a recession or something around the corner that might affect things, like how hopeful are you that things will continue the trajectory?
1: Uh, I think I think we know most of the answers uh, and I think we're going in the right direction um, I, I do think uh, just because of the type of country that we are, I think we've one sort of major city which is Dublin uh, and, I you know, I'd love to see a kind of set of transport solutions for Dublin because it's a major city uh, and I think we also have to look at the rest of the country uh, Again, I mentioned the national planning framework which Is emphasising Cork, Limerick, Galway, and Waterford, Uh, and I think you need public transport solutions for them, Um, and and then we need kind of regional networks as well. So there's, you know, there's a range of different solutions uh, that we need, and they're, they're all there; they're on the table.
0: When you think of public transport, you might just think of buses and trains, but cycling plays a really big role in public transport for a lot of people too. So we caught up with Louise Williams, who's a member of the Dublin Cycling Campaign, to find out about what it's like for cyclists in Dublin city centre now, and how they want things to change over the next 10 years for cyclists and the rest of public transport as well.
3: We're standing at the top of um, Grafton Street, just uh, on Stephen's Green. And to get here, I uh, came down Camden Street and Anger Street, and then I took a right turn uh, down by College of Surgeons. Now, suddenly it turned into a one-way street, so I had to get off and walk. I might have cycled a tiny bit of that. And then I came out onto Stephen's Green, and there's a, a, there's, a one-way, there's a two-way bit section for, for cyclists to come down and meet, uh, to come down and meet you here. And the thing about that two-way little bit is it just goes into nothing. It just stops. And you're just left hanging there. There's nothing. There's no support, there's no structure for you. All you can do is actually turn left, which is, it's very unlikely that cyclists are going to take that little route and want to turn away from Stephen's Green again. But like, it was a good example for me of how badly thought through and ill thought through this whole system is. It's very fragmented. You have little fragments of paint that are meant to guide us or meant to protect us. This doesn't make sense. And they speak to different people in different ways. So that's what I think about Dublin. When I'm cycling through Dublin, I'm constantly, I almost feel like it's a hostile environment, even though there may be... a so-called cycle lane so a little bit of paint which is supposed to protect me i don't really feel like it protects me but i also feel like there are the few symbols that are on it are speaking to people in different ways which leads to people kind of going into conflict sometimes with each other and quite a it's quite a hostile kind of aggressive environment sometimes so i i got a belt across the back from a pedestrian a few few months ago learn to ride your bike he said to me it seems that the city is sort of the council is designing the city in such a way that there are a few major routes like the liffey cycle route which would be very welcome and good but it's likely to be a kind of a highway for cyclists and then you know we've got the canal route which actually is genuinely quite a good route along the south and it's quite it's well segregated and it's it's a really nice relaxing place to cycle but otherwise we just have little scraps it's very piecemeal we are pushed into situations where we have to veer out around buses or where for example we're on a cycle a cycle path so called it's a little bit of, of paint and you do tend to speed up on those cycle paths it just stops i think if they if we thought in a coherent way about how we're going to join up everything and that would mean bike lanes but it would also mean yeah. the other thing I think is really important to point out is um, the sort of linking up uh, bike routes with the public transport routes and like I would often go uh, oh, quite fairly often I'd get a double bike down to Grand Canal Dock to get the, to get the dart somewhere from where I live. I live near the canal. But the the Dublin bike isn't actually that close to the Dart station. So it, they don't really hook up very, not very well. I mean, it's not a long walk or anything like that, but it just shows that lack of joined up thinking. So on so many profound levels, you have a lack of joined up thinking in the way that we use the city. And I don't know, I mean, um, Dublin, Dublin City Council's official policy is, you know, pedestrians first, then cyclists, then public transport, then cars. But is that, in 10 years time, are we going to see that manifested through the way the city, the, through the way we can navigate the city? I don't know. I'd love that to happen but if we keep on going along in this piecemeal way I don't see that joined up thinking manifested through protection for everybody to be able to use the city so cars you know cars just seem to come first a dream scenario like an ideal scenario would be that we actually have done proper research into how people use the city and that means not just asking not not just imagining that we're designing for everybody by designing for a few commuters who go from A to B to A again and they would be predominantly male but we'd be actually looking at all the different routes that everybody's taking. So that means younger women, older women, it means people with mobility challenges, it means kids as well. So it doesn't, it, it, you know, we really need to design for all of those different lifestyles and, and identities. I think in 10 years time Dublin could be a brilliant city. It's a flat city. It's a city, it's actually quite a small city. You could have loads more women cycling and joining up their trips on the Dart, on the Lewis with a, a cycle as well. We really need to see like a holistic approach to the city, to how people want to use the city in in terms of how they travel around it so we'd also need to see joined up thinking around bike parking at Lewis stations at dart stations and any new development needs to have considerable amounts so that we can allow people to have a cycle and then get on the public transport and join their journeys up in that way
0: that's the perspective of louise williams who's a cyclist Now let's go to Sean O'Kelly. He's a disability advocate and he's also a wheelchair user. And he spoke to us about the issues around accessibility and public transport and how we could improve accessibility and public transport in the next 10 years.
4: Uh, I set up a day in my wheels uh, as a result of pure frustration um, with public transport. Um, it, it all kicked off really when in 2016 when I was going for driving lessons out in Clontarf and uh, I was going for uh, getting the dart there and back from I live in Dorkey, from Dorkey to uh, Clontarf which is about a 40 minute journey uh, back then according to Irish Rail uh, they needed uh, in theory it was 24 hours notice it's now down to 4 hours which is which is Good, but it could be improved. Um, I, so I always gave them a couple of hours' notice, never the 24. Uh, on this particular occasion, I uh, got on the dart, always fine, got to Clontarf Dart Station, there was nobody there to meet me. This has happened many, many times before. The driver got me off. I approached the lift, once I got off, I approached the lift to discover that it was out of service and I was never told. This happens many, many, many times. And that's why when, when meeting you today, I decided, I said, you know, if at all possible, somewhere where I can get parking, because I just, I refuse to use public transport. And I shouldn't feel like that. I really, really should not feel like that, feeling fe- feel, feeling caged, feeling uncertain about public transport in Ireland. A very good example of public transport in Ireland is the Lewis. The Lewis is amazing. I mean, that's the only reliable because you can just get on, get off whenever you want. I do hold, hold out hope, but in order for that hope to be maintained, policy needs to change. You know, it's, it's um, we're not digging, giving a dig at you know, the men on the ground. It's policy, it's policy makers that need to get their act together.
0: Now let's look at one of the more futuristic possibilities for public transport in Ireland. In studio with me, I have Akil Voracara and Cullum O'Brien. They're two students who are working on the Airloop project, which is a Hyperloop project inspired by the work of Elon Musk. And they have some very interesting ideas around what an Airloop could do for Ireland. Do you want to tell me about this idea of what Airloop is and what Hyperloop is?
5: It's a form of vac train, like a train in a vacuum sealed tube uh, that was first uh, conceptualized in around 1799, that early. Wow. So the way that the white paper works, which is the original Elon Musk concept, was that a pod, which is inside the tube, is accelerated by a linear induction motor and then rides on air bearings because its speed is so great in this tube, which doesn't have complete vacuum in it. It has a tiny bit of air in it it funnels that air underneath it so that it has like this cushion of air that it rides on. So it's very frictionless. Airloop is a student organization created and run by students from various colleges across the country. It's a platform and a place for students to further the development of uh, Hyperloop as part of a competition hosted by Elon Musk through SpaceX and uh, Tesla and the Boring Company too. The Hyperloop is supposed to be the next big thing. The idea of transport that's as cheap and as convenient as taking a train, but faster than a plane. The kind of breakthrough that the Hyperloop is going for, that when you travel in a vacuum, you can more efficiently get to high enough speeds that you could, like we always quote in our slide deck, that you could go from Dublin to Galway in you know 10 to 15 minutes.
0: And would that be the aim with something like AirLoop to actually, you know, have a number of different, you know, routes around Ireland where people could actually travel by Hyperloop?
5: Currently, it's uh, it's a, it's far too early for that, absolutely. Yeah. But we're trying to raise awareness so that when you know, when when the time comes, when Hyperloop has actually been realised, uh, you know, in other parts of the world, like for example, the uh, a state in India just commissioned a a route. Uh, that's very long and connecting two huge cities. But that will probably be built in you know the next five to 10 years. And it remains to be seen whether that's a success or not.
0: And say this, you know, say the technology did work out and worked as fast as people think it would. How would it, you know, uh, reinvent or change public transport then in Ireland?
5: It's very important to realise that... Um, when you want to go to that high speed, you need a lot of distance to actually accelerate. So you wouldn't be going from uh, Pierce to Connolly <laughs> on a Hyperloop. Yeah. yeah, but it could change uh, almost you know the, the economic landscape of the country because you could suddenly you could connect uh, the west and the east. You could connect uh, you know Dublin to Galway, uh, Galway to Cork, Cork to Dublin, and you could do that entire loop in you know 25 minutes on a Hyperloop. That means that people could um, feasibly, you know, live at West, but they could still, you know, work in Dublin.
0: So I'm back in studio with Cormac Fitzgerald. Welcome back, Cormac. How are you been? And now comes the moment where we turn on the machine, the great 2029 forecasting machine. We're going to put all the ideas that we have from this episode, we put them into the machine and then the machine is going to give us a verdict. Do you want to do the honours?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I'll just fire it up now.
0: I've never seen a machine quite like this.
2: Yeah, you'll notice it has wheels too, so wheels. potential public transport option as it's well. It's a very
0: interesting colour scheme <laughs> as well.
2: <laughs> That's it. It's just, I think it's just, yeah, it's firing up there now. <laughs> Okay, we have a verdict.
0: Okay. I'll
2: pass it to you, Aoife, to do the honours.
0: Thank you. This is quite an interesting experience, seeing what this machine is going to tell me. So it says... Could happen, but there are obstacles.
2: Okay, yeah. Would you
0: agree with the great uh, 2029 forecasting machine on that verdict?
2: I think I would, yeah. We noted at the start that there are some nice projects coming down the line. We mentioned things like Bus Connects and uh, the Metrolink. Bus Connects in particular really has the capability to vastly improve the commuter experience, I think, in uh, in Dublin. But it's going to require a lot of political will and it's going to require proper funding and um, targeted funding from government. And I think around other issues like, say, accessibility, you know, we have a lot of problems we had accessibility on Irish rail services at the moment that's going to need to really be looked at and while we have made improvements over the last number of years we're going to have to continue to that if it's going to go anywhere near world class same with cycling infrastructure as well I think
0: yeah I think it's really clear that there is you know a need for planning for public transport to not just be myopic and focus on one particular thing that it has to take in many different levels so when thinking public transport like we've heard you can't just think bus and rail you also have to think cycling even though that is like an individual form of public transport it's still a form of public transport and then when it comes to accessibility as well you know ideas around accessibility continually evolve and you co- constantly have to have in mind if you're going to look at public transport in Ireland can everybody access this is this physically accessible to people and then there's the environmental aspect of it as well I mean we saw the green wave at the last elections do you think that that green wave is going to keep on going keep on pushing and will actually lead to more change in public transport as the years go on?
2: Yeah, I think it'll probably have to for no other reason than uh, the less we do about our greenhouse gas emissions, the more it's going to really cost the country down the line. So, yeah, I think, you know, possibility. And mm-hmm. as we all know, in the history of Ireland, we have a great history of always following through with all our planning <laughs> projects, right?
0: There's never any issues. And, you know, I mean, maybe in 10 years time, we will see something like it, like when you go to London, you can tap on with your debit card and get on a bus and then get on, you know, the form of transport and that it's all linked and seamless and doesn't cost that much money. You know, we can dream. Perhaps that dream will come true in perhaps. 2029. We will have that world-class form of public transport in Ireland. Yeah, why not?
3: Thanks for listening to the 10th and final episode in this 10-part series on Ireland 2029. This episode is brought to you by producer Cormac Fitzgerald, presenter Aoife Barry, series producer Orla Ryan, Editor Andy Roberts and executive producer Christine Bohan. Thanks to Paula Line and all of our contributors for this week's episode. Ireland 2029 is a podcast from the journal.ie, supported by Volkswagen. It's time for electric cars for the people. Discover the future of electric mobility with the Volkswagen ID family at volkswagen.ie.